Roadshow, episode number 222. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me this week. I am here at home in Las Vegas, enjoying a beautiful June afternoon in Sin City. Meanwhile, Cold Coffee is back up in his hometown, Columbus, Ohio, enjoying a little bit of vacation time. You actually get a little bit of time off in this job every now and then, so he's enjoying that. But he's still going to be on the grind. He's still going to edit this all together when we get done recording Cold Coffee will still be the man responsible for getting it up on the internet. So, you know how we do. Just because somebody takes some time off, we don't we don't stop. We have delivered 222 consecutive weeks of the MMA Roadshow. That's how we do. Uh, listen, Cold Coffee probably needed a week off after uh, after dealing with uh, Bare Knuckle FC6. Of course, he uh, covered that down in Florida last week. And uh, certainly the, the stories that he regaled me of afterwards were uh, much of what you would expect. I mean, not uh, not all bad. Of course, it was uh, quite the show. Everybody uh, was really into Pauli Malignaggi and Artem Loboff. Uh, but boxing events just as a whole, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just a different feel. It's the way it's handled. It's more chaotic. Um, it's just it's more stressful as a media member, to be honest. I mean, I guess that that's what you do week in and week out. You get used to it, but uh, it's incredible how different the sports are. You know, um, Oscar Willis, of course, our good friend from the Mac Life, who's um, really doing a, a lot covering both sports right now. He's he's a, he's a great one to talk to about it as well because he's kind of got a, you know a foot in both worlds, and you know he he constantly just after the boxing events, it's uh, it kind of comes back. There's just there's not the organization. There's you know the the there's not the organized scrums where everybody kind of looks out for each other and understands we need some space and you know kind of everybody kind of works together to make sure everybody's okay it's it's more just chaos so it's a, it's a lot more stressful and of course when you're a small organization like uh, bare knuckle is you know you're trying to do things on a budget i mean you, you you know you're trying to keep your expenditures to a minimum and of course you just don't have the experience you know i think you know say what you will about the ufc but the ufc machine is is a well-oiled machine man they do so many events that they've got it down to a science and when you're still kind of new at, at doing the whole live event production thing and you're trying to do it on a budget as well um, it makes things even more chaotic than they normally are from a from a boxing perspective and of course that's kind of what you got going on with bare knuckle right now um, you know it's 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 little things that just seem like minor details but they end up being a big deal uh, their press conferences for instance if you watch any of the press conference either pre or post uh, from from us from you know cold coffee down at uh down there or any of the other organizations, you probably noticed that the audio from the press conference sucked. Uh, and that's because they had no audio box in the back to, to, for the cameras to plug into to get clean audio. And so, you know, it seems like a small thing, like, ah, well, it's no big deal. We'll just have room audio. But it just makes the product look like crap. I mean, everybody did the best they could, but um, it just it, 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 it makes the product a, a little bit lower. And I'm not trying to rag on them. I understand. Like I said, they're, it's BKFC 6, man. They're just getting started. And if you think back to UFC 6, they were making the same kind of uh, mistakes and that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's what you see that these organizations have to get over. Um, I think there was a story that uh, their videographer, you know, they're trying to save a little bit of money. Again, understandable. Uh, so they didn't bring their videographer down to film the press conference uh, so, you know, they realized it kind of midstream, like, oh, God, we're going to have a press conference and we won't even have the footage to use. So they hired a local guy 
and uh, the local guy ended up not being extremely qualified and uh, ended up not capturing the footage. So, you know, they take the time to hold this pre-fight press conference down there in Florida, and then they don't even have the footage to use. Uh, you know, us websites did, but but they didn't. So, uh, you know, you could just imagine. It's, it's growing pains, man. It really is. Uh, but when you're in it and you're trying to work in it, uh, it can be a little bit maddening. And, you know, I mean – we we spend money to go cover those events and it's it's constantly in the back of your head you know am i am i earning my keep so to speak you know am i making these expenditures worth it so um a little bit of a headache and i'm sure cold coffee was uh, is <laughs> is happy to have a, a few days off now after dealing with the the chaos i will say by the way for anybody that uh, heard us talking about uh, the event you know a couple weeks ago i think when we really got into it uh speaking of oscar willis was there i think that may have been the day we'd had a lot of frosty beverages. Um, but I think we broke down that fight. I think we had a pretty good read on Lobov Malinaji. You know, when we broke it down, um, at least I feel confident that, you know, I had a pretty good read on what we were going to see. You know, that uh, if it was a regular boxing match, Polly would, would definitely win. And, of course, he did, uh, you know, box early. Uh, but, you know, eventually he'd probably break a hand and he would shut down. That's exactly what happened. Polly broke his hand and he shut down. And uh, Artem, Artem kept going. So I, I feel like we had a pretty good read on, on what it was going to be. I, I watched the fight. I was actually at, uh, at, at B-Dubs. No shocker there if you know me. Uh, I was at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I actually watched it there uh, on my phone. Um, and so I couldn't really hear the audio um, because it was pretty loud in there. There were some other sports on. But I watched it live, um, and I, I had it 3-2 for Artem. I had Artem winning rounds uh, 3, 4, and 5. Uh, with Polly winning the first two. So I actually scored it the exact same way the judges did, so I didn't have a, a problem with the decision at all. Um, and like I said, I felt like the fight played out kind of exactly w the way we thought it would. It's a different sport. I mean, it's kind of a sport unto itself. Um, and, and for that reason, I think that's why the, the MMA fighters are, are doing well in it right now. Um, and pure boxers, I think, may continue to struggle, and, and that may prove uh, Polly's performance may – you know, I don't want to say you know cause other boxers to not want to do it. I, I don't. I don't think mo many, many of them want to do it anyway. Uh, but it may give them a little bit of hesitation. So, um, you know, I, I thought I, I will say this. I, I did. I was a little surprised at the refereeing too. You know, you heard Artem talk about being surprised that he didn't get to clinch longer than he than he thought he would. I had the exact same reaction, man. When they when he first tried to clinch in that first round and they separated him like immediately, I thought, oh no, this is not going to be good. And um, you know, you're supposed to be able to work from the clinch. So uh, at least that's my understanding is that you're supposed to be able to as long as you're punching, you know, you're supposed to be able to work from the clinch. And and uh, I think that threw him off his game for a, a little bit. Uh, so I had the same reaction Artem did, but ultimately he got the job done. And uh, Good for Artem, man. He's a good dude. I think we've all anybody that's been listening to this show knows our feelings on Artem, man. He's he's just a good dude. Uh, he gets it, man. He, he's uh, you know not necessarily the greatest fighter you've ever seen, but he, he sure as hell will go out and, and do it. You know what I mean? So uh, much respect to him. He, he's willing to put on a show. He he is he is the definition of a prize fighter. And, um, I, I enjoyed seeing him get the win. I know that meant a lot to him. So uh, now, now the only question is, I just, I just don't know where Bare Knuckle goes from here. I mean, Jason Knight versus Leonard Garcia uh, is, is their next main event, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a great fight, man. Those two dudes love to scrap. Two dudes that are going to throw down. But I mean, I, I don't think it's the fighting that really drove this whole thing. It was the rivalry, right? It was the Polly versus Artem 
rivalry. It was all the heat. That that's what it was about. And of course, you know, dating back all the way to, to Conor McGregor, his involvement. You know, Paulie Malignaggi, and and that uh, whole thing with the sparring situation. I mean, th- this has been a, a a big rivalry. And kudos to Bare Knuckle for for being able to get Paulie in there to do this, man. I mean, and and, and hell, I'll even say it, much respect to Paulie for for jumping in there and doing a bare knuckle fight. You know, this is. Uh, this is not something that he had trained for or, or, or was ready for. So um, I just don't know where they go from here. I don't know what kind of fan interest Knight versus Garcia is is going to drive. I mean, I, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I just I, that's all I'll say. I mean, I, I don't have a vested interest in it one way or the other. I don't, I don't hate the sport. Uh, I don't think it's the, the the next great sport either. It doesn't. I'm I'm not one of those people that says, "Oh, it's it's way too brutal, man. They can't be doing this." Um, it does seem, uh, you know, that you get cut up and your hands break. I mean, so from that perspective, it doesn't. It does seem like it does a lot of at least visual damage. You know, scars and and broken hands and that sort of thing. I don't know that's any more dangerous than boxing or, or MMA for that matter. I mean, you can't throw the punches to the head at full speed because you end up breaking your your hand. So in that way. Maybe it's actually a little bit safer. I mean, you don't have as many just straight concussive blows. You know, I, I don't know. I won't pretend to to say I, I have some kind of scientific study on it one way or the other. But I'm not in the camp that it's, you know, oh, this is way too brutal for me. Um, but I'm also not in the camp of saying, yeah, you know, this is the next great combat sport. This is going to, you know, this is going to evolve the way we look at combat sports. I don't I don't know, man. I think the, the blood in the, in the you know, just the, the bare knuckle style of it. I think it's going to bother a lot of people. I will say the two-minute rounds, man. Dude, you got to work. You, you got to get out there. It's uh, it's amazing how much just trimming from a three-minute round to a two-minute round uh, changes things. Of course, you know, I do uh, commentary for, for Tough Enough, which is an amateur mixed martial arts organization in Vegas. Um, and in the amateur ranks, they do two-minute rounds. So I, so I had some experience of with fights with two-minute rounds, and, and it is true. I mean, you got to go, but I just it didn't dawn on me how big of a change from three to two would really be, but you got to get busy, man. You don't have much time to, to set stuff up in there. So, uh, anyway, but listen, saying all that, hey, that's what we're leading off the show with is talking about bare knuckle. And I can tell you from a website operator's perspective, uh, the traffic last week, even though there was a Bellator and even though there was a UFC, was all about bare knuckle, man. So, for at least this weekend, man, they definitely had everybody's attention. I, I just, I think that rivalry had a huge part to do with it. So, We'll see what uh, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, all right, listen, uh, I, I did not go to uh, to Florida, but I did go to Dana White's Contender Series on Tuesday night. Uh, the second one of season three is in the books. By the way, myself and Dan Tom were doing a pre-show at the UFC Apex every week this year. The UFC has allowed us to do that. Um, just something fun for us to do. You know, trying to change things up a little bit, have some fun. Um, I think actually, you know, we've, we've been in talks. We wanted to get all the, the bugs and the kinks worked out and make sure we knew what was going on, but um, that, you know, Dana may stop by one of those. Maybe we can get a matchmaker in there. Uh, who knows? You know, that we'll we'll try to get some guests on there. The first two weeks, it's just been myself and Dan Tom. Just a half hour. We're going from uh, 4.15 to 4.45 local. That is Pacific time. Just kind of previewing the card for you a little bit, telling, trying to give you a little bit of insight on what you might be uh, seeing that night. So if you're a fan of the Contender Series, make sure you, you, you tune into those every week. Uh, Cole Coffee is uh, is doing a good job, man. He, of course, he's filming them, but during this live stream, he's also teeing up uh, some video to roll in, some B-roll, that sort of thing. So, I mean, he's basically... Cold Coffee is uh, is basically producing this thing as a TV show on the fly, you know, and he's uh, he's been working with the UFC to uh, collect some of the pre-fight packages, some some videos, 
Of course, he shoots the weigh-ins the previous day, too, so he's rolling in this footage that he's collecting. So it's really been a, a cold coffee project. I mean, Dan, Tom, and I are the ones that are um, on camera, but cold coffee really the driving force behind the scenes. So uh, definitely, if, if you're interested, check it out, man. We've had, we've had fun doing them. Um, they are live, and again, I mean, it's basically cold coffee producing uh, live TV. Uh, by the way, I should say Nolan King. Uh, we want to get him. We want to get some film segments. For him. We got to get him a camera. He doesn't have a camera uh, up there where he lives up in uh, Massachusetts, I believe, if I'm right. Um, I know he's up there in the Northeast. Uh, apologies, Nolan. I know you're up there somewhere. <laughs> uh, but we want to get him. But he's been providing some insight as well. I've been hitting him up every week and just saying, hey, man, I know that you're into the contender series. Who, who you got your eye on? You know, Which are the, the top prospects that you're looking at? We've been kind of mentioning those in. So uh, if you haven't checked out those pre-shows, check them out, man. I, I think um, I think they're kind of fun. Uh, yeah, so that was just a big commercial for me, basically. <laughs> uh, but listen, the second week of the contender series was, was an interesting week. Uh, no finishes. First time. In Dana White's Contender Series history, there were no finishes on the card. It was all decisions, uh, which is not what we're used to seeing on the Contender Series, man. We've had some crazy knockouts, uh, crazy finishes on the Contender Series. So it's a little bit different. Um, as far as the, the USC Apex, much better experience the second week around. Um, the first week, they didn't play the the packages, the pre-fight packages and stuff uh, in-house. In so there was a lot of just kind of sitting around and waiting uh, because while all that stuff was, was, was rolling on your ESPN Plus stream, we were just kind of sitting there in silence. Um, they also added some uh, some music, like they're real low, not like loud like they have at a UFC event, but just some music in between fights to kind of keep a little bit of atmosphere in there. Um, so it was a much better viewing experience, I'll say that, live. It is weird how quiet it is in there. Um, you know, the, the Tough Gym didn't have a lot of people in it, but because it was just kind of, uh, you know, this metal warehouse gym, I think there was just a sort of sound to it. And the Apex is set up to be such a, you know, a technologically advanced film studio, basically. That there's, there's dampening, you know, there's noise dampening stuff all over the walls and the ceiling and that sort of thing. Uh, so it does its job. I mean, it's, it's an incredible TV facility, but it is eerily quiet because that stuff absorbs so much sound. So it's really, really quiet in there. Um, the, the cheers that you do here definitely stand out. And I think the crowd was a little bit more uh, vocal this time around. So a much better live viewing experience. I still don't know, and I've had a couple of people ask me, and I feel bad because I, I don't know exactly how to answer it. You know, Dana that first week said, uh, you know, hey, come on out, man. We'll, you know, we'll let people come in, that sort of thing. But there's still only seating for about 200 people in there. Um, and I, I don't know how they're going to limit who comes in there. And they've got – Security outside. Um, there's, you know, they basically barricaded off one of the entrances and, and the other entrance where you go in. There's security, and I don't know how they're limiting who gets in, how many get in, that sort of thing. So I, I, I hate to say I don't know exactly. I think they're still trying to figure it out. Um, hopefully, we'll know a little bit more uh, next time out. But um, you know, they can expand that thing up to 1,500. And if they, but I don't think they want to lay in all the seats and then have it empty. So. I'm not sure what the plan is, but if you're in Vegas, um, hopefully you can make it out because it is cool to see the new facility, man. It's uh, it's really cool inside. When you first walk in, it's really cool. They got um, all the belts from the brands that Zufa owns. So when you first walk in, there's you know a really really old UFC belt, like one of the original ones. You know, then the the old UFC belt, uh, and then the new UFC belt. But then you've got uh, two kinds of a strike force belts there. Uh, you got WC belts, uh, pride belts. So it's, it's pretty cool, um, to, to see all of them up there. 
but the fights themselves, it, it was a weird week, and, um, you know, I think a lot of people were thinking, gosh, uh, you know, I know that the, the media after it was over, you know, oh, gosh, who do you who do you go with? You know, is it possibly goes with nobody? Um, and, and Dana ended up uh, taking Miguel Baeza and Miles Johns, which I thought were good picks, to be honest with you. I think Miguel Baeza kind of already started with one foot in the UFC, and, you know, to, to take a last-minute opponent switch uh, is one thing. Uh, to take a last-minute opponent switch where your opponent also goes from orthodox to southpaw, that's another thing, right? That totally complicates everything. You know, you're training for one for one stance, and then you get the other. Man, that changes the game. But then on top of that, for your opponent to miss weight by 7 pounds, you know, Victor Reyna came in at uh, 138 pounds. To miss weight by that much and for Miguel Baeza to just say, don't care. Don't care one bit. We're going to do this. Um, I think that earns you a lot of respect uh, from the matchmakers, from UFC President Dana White. And so I think he already had that on his side. And then to, on top of that, go out and have a great performance in just an absolute dogfight, um, I thought that was a, a, a good decision. And, uh, you know, great performance by Miguel Baez. That's a big dude, by the way, man. He's, a, he's, he's got some size to him, man. I, I think he's, he's got some talent. Uh, and he's got some real size to him. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how he performs in the UFC. Meanwhile, Miles Johns, uh, you know, again, I'm always a little bit biased. Fortis MMA product, Dallas, Texas. Uh, I love the crew at Fortis, man. I mean, they're, they're a great, great team. And I love seeing MMA thriving in my hometown of Dallas. So I'm, I'm always uh, particularly high on those guys. But they just deserve the recognition. What Saif has done, I think a lot of people are really starting to see, you know, firsthand. Uh, how effective he is as a coach. And it was funny in the pre-show where you were saying, uh, hey, if, if for whatever reason this fight ends up being not exciting, make sure you're listening to, to Safe. And they uh, they <laughs> they featured him pretty loud. You can't you can't not hear his voice, man. He is one of the most intense, loud, uh, just, you know, demanding coaches you'll ever have, but uh, certainly one of the best in the game. So I thought those two were the, were the right ones to get in. And... Uh, you know, Dana White kind of kind of addressed it all. In fact, let's just do that. Uh, we had a chance to, afterwards to speak to, to USC President Dana White. We talked to him about, you know, why he picked the guys he did. And, uh, of course, you know, we, we, we had to follow up on Brendan Lachnane after uh, the decision was made last week. You know, it became one of the biggest stories in, uh, in MMA. It was crazy. I think it was, uh, it was, yeah, Simon Head that was saying this. I mean, how wild is it that last week probably the, the two most talked about names in mixed martial arts uh, were Brendan Lachnane and, and Artem Loboff, and uh, can't disagree with them there. So, uh, yeah, let's let's hear from uh, from UFC President Dana White. Dan, you called it an interesting night. Uh, you know, five decisions, not necessarily bad fights, but five no. decisions. So, what, what was it like? Is your is what? Because I know you, I know you want that highlight reel moment. Yeah. Well, listen, you 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 can't have that. You can't always have that. The first two seasons of this thing were fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's. That doesn't happen. It just—it's crazy the way that this played out, uh, the first two seasons. But um, good fights, really fucking good matchmaking, really good matchmaking. I mean, you want to see how good these guys really are. The way these fights were were made were were, were great, um, and, and you got to see some good stuff. I mean, th th this this kid Miguel, that fight was awesome, right? And uh, Victor didn't didn't come to lose. He came yeah. to win. I mean, this kid got hit with everything. Get dropped, kept getting up, kept coming. And uh, when you're in this type of a position for the first time, there, there's an adrenaline dump. There's, you know, 
the, the nerves and all the things that come along with it is something that you have to factor in when you're, when you're watching these guys. And uh, I, I was super impressed with, with, with these guys tonight. With Miguel especially, I was wondering, I mean, it was a great fight, but I wonder how much it went into your uh, decision that he fought a guy that was seven pounds heavy. I mean, that's not, that's not even close. So did he, did he kind of go in with like some bonus points in your so, eyes? So, lost, the, lo, lost had, had a new opponent 11 days out, right? So a new guy that they, that they don't know and, and comes in, he's a southpaw, which is horrible, right? You haven't been sparring or training for southpaws or anything like that. Then the guy shows up and he's overweight and you still accept the fight. Then the guy comes in tonight and doesn't want to fucking leave. He's, he, he, he's here to win and not quit. I mean, the, the kid couldn't have stacked the deck any higher against himself and he still pulls off the win, he still looked good. His stand-up, his clinch work, his ground game, and his composure, how he took his time with everything. He didn't rush and go crazy, and uh, I, I think that the kid has a lot of talent, and I think he's, he's, uh, he's got a bright future in the sport. With Miles Johns, I mean, you referenced his coach, Safe Suit, you know, yelling, quit wrestling, Carreza. Screaming at him nonstop. Yeah. Don't go to the ground. I wonder, I mean, obviously we know you're looking for all action fights, right? But are you worried at all that like, I mean, it was almost like he was coaching him into bad positions where maybe he could have won the fight on the ground. Do you worry that like, people are gonna take these fights differently than they should? No, if you're the coach, if you're the coach, you don't want him going to the ground. That guy's got a 100% finish rate on the ground. Why play into his strengths when you can stand up and, 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 and stay where he's the weakest, you know what I mean? I completely agree with the coach, but I love the fact that he went on the ground because if he didn't, I don't know what he's got against a guy like that. The fact that this guy has a 100% finish rate and he had no respect for that, dove right in there and didn't get submitted by him, actually controlled everything on the ground most of the time that, that, that he was down there. Guy's a savage. I, th I think that that guy seriously has a future in this sport. The feature fight with Johnson, you said he's... <laughs> He's one, you know, you love his style, but how hard is it to, to pass on a guy if you say like, I love, you know, I, I love this style, but he, he didn't show me enough tonight. There's a couple things. So the guy's 36 years old, number one. Number two, um, you, you know, I, I like the way he fights and everything else, but on his side, Cunningham, once he got hurt and saw the power that this kid had, he just wanted to survive. He wanted to get through three rounds, right? But at the same time, every time that the ref would split them, he would take one step off the cage. He never tried to get in the middle and control the octagon so that he couldn't get pressed back up against the fence. There were a lot of things that he could have done too that would have probably changed my mind. The last thing for me, you, you took a lot of criticism obviously after the, the last week. I know you were in China, but it was a huge story, you know, the lock name situation and not giving that contract. I, I just wonder, I mean, did you talk to the matchmakers at all about maybe finding them another spot or do you, in, in hindsight, do you regret, no, you know, making no, that decision? No, not at all. I mean, I think that everybody knows what I'm looking for here. And, and, and while I said that kid is talented and, you know, he's going to, and I also said if I'm wrong, he's a free agent and anybody can pick him up. So if anybody thinks I'm wrong, show me. Show me that I'm wrong. And, uh, you know, what better position could you be in than a kid, you know, coming off the show, he wins, and people think that I made the, the, the wrong choice. So if that's the case, there you go. There's a free one for you. Lock him up and, and he's all yours. Uh, I'm looking for guys that when you, when you show up here, we all know what this show is about. This show isn't about um, isn't the ultimate fighter and you're going to win. You know, you fight all these times and you win a contract. This isn't a fight night or a pay-per-view um, and, and stuff like that. 
I, I have five, five fights, and I have to pick somebody who I think can come into the UFC, make a huge impact, break into the top five, or be a world champion. That's what I'm looking for. <clears throat> and it was a dog fight. Love that fight. It was a great fight. Both kids put on a good fight. And there's 10 seconds left of the fight, and, and, and you're going to shoot? I, if, he, if he fucking won it out at the end of the 10, round, at the end of the 10 seconds, I probably would have picked him. I'm looking for different things on this show. I'm not looking for what the sport is or what the UFC, how you call a fight in the UFC or judge a fight. It's not, it's not what I'm looking for here. Uh, and this is the second time, I'm sorry, you tried to ask me a question three times. And this is the second time this season that the, you know, whether it's Bisbing or whoever didn't have the same picks that I had. That kid Kyle. Kyle's super talented. What I, Kyle's 26 years old. Okay? He's 26 years old. He had the mount and, and didn't, finish, didn't really land any damaging punches from the top. He's 26 years old. The guy's a baby. He's not, he's not even in his prime until he's 28, 29. He's got two years to work on all these things and he's undefeated. What I don't want to do is bring him in early, put him in against some animal that's in the UFC who gets that top position on him and, and rains down on him because he couldn't stop somebody from the mount. It's just, I think that he has things to work on. I think he's got plenty of time, and I think he has huge potential in the future. Sir, if a fighter misses weight on Contender Series and the fight still goes ahead, would they be eligible to potentially earn a contract or just their opponent? It's a good question. It's a, actually a great question. If you look at that kid that missed weight tonight, right, and you look at the type of fighter he is, the shots that he took and got back up, the body, anybody who's involved in fighting and is, is really involved in fighting has been fighting before. And you take a body shot like that, and he knew that if he didn't get up, I guarantee you he didn't want to get up, but he got up. I don't know, there's things like that that you look at and you, everybody messes up and he had 11 days notice. And the thing that pisses the matchmakers off is, he had 11 days notice, sounds like a great excuse, but they had three other guys that they could have picked that would have made weight. And that's what drives everybody crazy and pisses everybody off. Um, but when you see a guy fight like he fought tonight, if he pulled that win off and won, it'd be hard to say no. Have you ever considered having alternates <coughs> on deck in the event that somebody has to pull out? Well, unfortunately, we've never had to have that. You know, <laughs> we've never been in that situation until this season. So, um, no, we haven't, but yeah, we probably should. Dana, can you talk about um, basically fighters giving you what you want versus just surviving the fight and trying to win? Yeah, I mean, like I've been saying, that's that, that's not what we're looking for here. I'm not looking, not looking for guys to survive uh, like this kid. I mean, let, you heard me say it. Yeah, but I, I got to look at his look at his stats. Justin Gonzalez, right? Mm -hmm. I was so excited for this fight. So this kid, I don't ever count amateur fights ever. This kid's 19-0 with amateur fights. you got to count him. And if you look at his opponents, his opponent's records are 52-15. and 15. You never see that, right? Then, so I'm so excited for this fight. Then you look at his finish rate. It's non-existent, his finish rate, and you see why when you see the fight. The kid is an awesome wrestler, and he can control you. And Pena, I saw opportunities where he could have took the back so many times. Um, he actually had the choke in, but only had one hook in at one point. And, you know, wasn't really 
He, he was very comfortable in staying where he felt safe, not being aggressive and trying to finish the fight. And you can get away with that for a while. Then once you start to go up the ranks in the UFC, you can't be that one-dimensional and, and get away with that. You just, no, it's not what I'm looking for. Dana, you, you explained uh, tonight the matchmaking and, and the contract situation, but let me ask you, has there ever been a night that you, you've been close to saying, you know what, maybe no contracts tonight, and would you be opposed to that maybe in the future should the situation maybe call for it? Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. But, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen. It's a bad <laughs> night if we don't give out a contract. But, uh, but yeah, it could happen. It could definitely happen. <clears throat> it's still early in the season. Last season we saw a couple times where guys were given either a developmental contract or told they're going to come back later on in the season. Is that still on the table for this year as well? Yeah, yeah, we could do that still. Um, I just, you know, like that kid Kyle that, that, that I talked about a minute ago, he's with a good team. He's with a good team. There's nothing about that guy's game that, that, that I say, oh, we need to bring him into a new camp and, and do this. He's with a good team. He's young. He's super talented, and, and he's going to do just fine. He just needs some more work, and I don't want to bring him in too early. There's no need for it. Yeah, just a general question. Do these guys, is there a standard contender series contract that these guys get when they win, or do they win, and then you negotiate a contract individually? Yeah, so they they get. I don't know how they. I don't know how the contracts are done. I don't know how they do it. But the matchmakers sign a deal with them. Yeah. And then uh, Dan, one last question. As far as Cunningham, I know that he fought last year and last season, and then now coming back this year. Um, did you see any improvements, or what were you? you know, Who? Were you, uh, Cunningham in the last fight. Um, what were your thoughts on his? Well, opinion? I don't want to say that I didn't see any improvement in the guy. I mean, the guy got clipped. You know, he got hit by a dude that spars with, uh, you know, all the murderers over at AKA. I mean, he's, he's, this guy trains with, uh, with Cormier every day. You know, he's sparring with Cormier and guys like that. So, you know, he's seen it all. You know, guys have tried to take him down. Guys have tried to, you know, probably knock his head off. And, and uh, you, you know, so for Cunningham, going in against a guy like this is tough, especially when you get hit right out the gate. There wasn't really much to see. It happened fast. He got hurt. His eye blew up, and he wasn't going to take any chances after that, you know? But when you think about what this show is and why you're here, he actually should have gone out to the middle of the octagon and went for it, tried to, tried to finish the fight. You know, because that eye is only getting worse every round. It's not going to get better. And you also run the risk of the ref stopping the fight. I thought for sure the ref was going to stop the fight in the third round. Because there's no way you could see out of that eye in the third round. It's impossible. So I thought the fight was going to get stopped. And the thing you saw in Cunningham, was no sense of urgency whatsoever to stop the fight. What you saw from Cunningham is he didn't want to get finished and he wanted to go the three rounds. And that's what happened. And, you know, uh, the AKA kid couldn't stop him. And if you can't stop him, who are you going to stop in the UFC when you get in that position? Dana, I don't think that there's much value in getting into like a, a ton of different hypotheticals, right? But, but one question I would have is that if, if some guy came on and he just had unstoppable wrestling, like, I mean, your lightweight champion has unstoppable wrestling. Yeah. Some might call him that he has a little bit one-dimensional, but he has an unstoppable gift. Who, Habib? If there's a guy out there like that, do you yeah. want him on this show if he's a wrestler? So, so did, you, did you see Habib when he fought Edson Barboza? Yeah, well, and I mean, I, I said I wasn't like like making a direct comparison to the guy, but I'm just saying if there's like a, a very dominant wrestler, and that is how he wins. Is this, is this the right show for him? Or would you still value? Sure, if you're a dominant wrestler. I didn't see dominance tonight. 
he dominated in the wrestling game. Never did he try to finish the fight. When he had positions that he could do, he didn't do. You know what I mean? He, he played it really safe tonight. You could, he could put this kid wherever he wanted to wrestling, put him against the fence. He could move him down to the ground if he wanted to. He could have done more, but he didn't. So my thing is, I just got to see you for three rounds. You're a dominant wrestler, I get it. That's all I saw. What else do you got? What happens when you get into the UFC and you get against an, you're up against another dominant wrestler? And now you gotta bang it out with this guy. I, I didn't see any of that. You know, I, I saw a guy who looked very one-dimensional, played it literally as safe as you could play it, and I didn't get to see anything. It's, it's like, you know, when we were just talking about the Savage, you know, his corner didn't want him going to the ground. I know that this guy has 100% finish rate and wants to get him to the ground. So I would have had to wonder, I wonder what would have happened if they went to the ground. I wonder how that guy's ground game is. I didn't have to wonder. He showed me. He showed me. So did Miguel. I saw everything. I saw the whole game. You know, you, you can, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. That, that kid could come on the ultimate fighter and win the ultimate fighter. But you can't get in here unless I see everything and see what you got, you know? Or, the, the, the big myth now, after last week, I'm looking for finishes. Oh, I'm not looking for, finishes are great. Listen, if finishes happen, like if he came out and, and knocked him out in the first round, I still would have liked him as much as, but I like that I got to see everything. <coughs> um, Puna didn't finish, but I signed him. I saw a lot of things with him. Takes down, his takedowns were strong. When he got the top position, he didn't stop punching. Whether it was to the body or to the head, he was trying to finish the fight. I just saw a lot more out of him and a lot more potential. Anything else? Good? Thanks, Dan. Cool. Thank All right, thanks, guys. So there you have it, UFC President Dana White after Dana White's contender series, um, and and you know, I know, I know it's it's easy to to pick on Dana, and I think sometimes it's almost unpopular to agree with him. But I you know I kind of understand his perspective on what he's coming from, man. As I said, uh, if this was the only way, if Dana White's contender series was the only way into the UFC, I would uh, I would certainly take uh, more umbrage, I guess with his decision-making processes. But that's not what this is about. You know, this is about him picking his guys. You know, him putting his hand on the shoulders of, of a guy or girl and say, you're one of mine. You know, you're, 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 you're my guy or my girl. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what this is about. And and, uh, and you have to do certain things to, to, to do that. Kyle Dacus, I think, does have some skills, but did did show that he was raw a little bit, you know, um, and, and and need some time to develop, I think, and continue to get better. I mean, he should have been able to finish in some of the positions he was in. Justin Gonzalez, I thought, you know, showed some showed some flaws, showed some holes. I think he should have been able to finish Zach Zane. Uh, and, uh, and Tony Johnson. Tony Johnson had a rough goal of it because Alton Cunningham, I mean, Alton Cunningham, his eye was just – I can't believe that fight carried on, to be honest with you. If, if you haven't seen this, his eye blows up. Hematoma, right eye closed. Uh, my my son was actually there, uh, and he was uh, he was sitting on press row with me, uh, which was kind of cool. 
Uh, but he he was like, dude, that's gonna give me nightmares now. He's like, that's crazy looking, and and so Cunningham can. I'm sure he couldn't see out of that right eye, and I cannot believe the doctors allowed it to go on. To be honest with you, um, but he was basically just moving into the clinch and, and keeping the fight there. And Tony Johnson, a boxer, was trying to to to, to work in tight and and uh, you know show skill. He definitely showed that he's got some power. He definitely showed that he's got some talent, but um, he just wasn't being given much room to work. So felt kind of bad for Tony. It's I guess part of it is you got to have a dance partner, right? I mean, you got to go in there and impress, but. You know, if if your opponent's not willing to to try a little something, it makes it tough on you too. So it felt kind of bad for Tony in, in that regards. But um, I, I liked, you know, to be honest with you, I, I liked uh, I liked the selections. I liked the selections. Uh, no contender series next week, so I'm, I'm kind of bummed about that. Uh, and I know <laughs> I, I know our UK crew is, is bummed about it. Simon Head and Abby Sivan are both going to be in town for International Fight Week. Uh, Simon Head will actually be working with us next week, so I'm sure we'll have him on the road show. Abby Sivan is going to be uh, on vacation. So I think he's uh, bringing his, his girl with him as well. So we'll try not to uh, make them work. We'll let them enjoy themselves a little bit. But I know they both wanted to check out the new facility. Uh, so I, I think it kind of, I think you know, I'm sure there's a lot of traveling media that would would have uh, loved to come and check out. So I don't know. I, I guess CSC decided there was just too much going on. Basically, is what I was told um, that they said you know this would be a good good time to take a break. But uh, I think it's kind of a bummer. I think a, a lot of the tra- media that's traveling into Vegas, it would have been an opportunity for them to go check out the new facility. So. Uh, I'm kind of bummed that they uh, that they took a break, but it'll come back for the next eight weeks, and we'll have uh, we'll have all that covered. So I'm sorry about this week. Uh, UFC on ESPN three is up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Minneapolis, by the way, cool town, man. Especially during the summer. <laughs> during the summer, uh, it's been a long time since I've been there, but uh, the times I was there, I, I remember really enjoying it. Uh, I think it's kind of an underrated scene. Uh, now during the winter, I don't know, not so much. Uh, but Matt Erickson is up there, so so we've had coverage all week long uh, on MMA Junkie. We'll have fight night coverage as well, um, which I will not be a part of. Uh, a rare UFC event that I am not working, uh, but I am actually going to go over to the Thomas & Mack Center uh, to call a Tough Enough event. So Tough Enough, Pack the Mac is this Saturday night. If you're in Vegas, it's totally free, uh, and, and uh, you get an opportunity to, uh, to go see some uh, top amateurs at the Thomas and Mack Center for free, myself and uh, Dave Fire will be on the uh, on the call. So looking forward to that. Um, but I will be watching the fights, of course. We will watch them uh, via tape delay. Francis Nagano versus Junior Dos Santos in the main event. Of course, everybody's got to be looking forward to that. I don't see how you can't be excited for this one. I just, I, I I hesitate to get too excited because the last time you know we we thought we had a can't miss with, with Francis Nagano and Derek Lewis. We don't have to remind anybody how terrible that fight was. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen here. Francis Ngannou versus Junior Dos Santos, potentially a number one contender fight in the division, and uh, stylistically looks like it should be a lot, a lot of fun. Um, definitely looking forward to that fight. Joseph Benavides versus Juicer Formiga, love that fight as well. I like the fact that you know it's in a it, it's a it, it's a key matchup at flyweight. Um, of course, we 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 played the idea from Joseph Benavides last week, um, taking a, uh, a a very very mature. Uh, approach to this and, and kind of said, and I think he's right, man, the timing of Henry Cejudo being out had this fight not been announced. This would have been a great uh, interim flyweight title fight. And, you know, you can't just change stream midway, I guess, and, you know, suddenly make it a five-round fight and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, I uh, 
I, I, I like this fight, man. It's it's a key match with flyweight, and uh, I, I just like to see the flyweight fights are happening. I still don't know how committed U.S. President Dana White is to keeping the flyweight division around. I mean, yes, at that press conference in Chicago, he was like, yeah, we're, we're keeping it, all right? But, it, you know, I still don't know how, you know, until they start bringing people back into the mix and, and getting people back in the fold, um, you know, I, I guess that's when I'll believe that everything is um, – really trending towards keeping it so but that's a big fight but i gotta be honest with you the one that i, I think i'm most uh excited about is damian maya versus anthony rocco martin uh stylistically i think you know grappling wise this could be a lot of fun of course uh you, you know damian maya phenomenal jujitsu stylist 41 years old if you can believe that man he is he is getting up there man but he's still out there doing it you know he he uh he had the three fight losing streak but i mean the three-fight losing streak, Tyron Woodley, you know, the, the champ. Colby Covington, the interim champ. Kamaru Usman, the now champ. I mean, three decisions to the absolute, you know, three best guys right now in the division and, and uh, you know, fought to a decision with all three of them. So, um, you know, he's still Damian Maia, very, very effective. Of course, he he, uh, he showed that earlier this year when he bounced back with that impressive, impressive submission finish of Lyman Good, who, you know, is uh, – a uh, Man, just an absolute, you know, monster of a physical specimen, and uh, looked like he had the ability to uh, to make it a long night for Damian Maya. Maya was able to tap him out in the first round, so uh, I like this. But you know, Anthony Rocco Martin, meanwhile, is uh is just a character. I don't see how you don't like him. I mean, the, just the, the the fact that he's embracing the name, and then you know the streak that he's on right now. Uh, it's impressive, you know. It, it's, it's like he's reinvented himself, um, and, and I'm really, really intrigued by this fight. So uh, that's the people I wanted to hear from. You know, of course, we got to hear a little bit uh, from from Francis Ngannou uh, last week. Uh, we, we heard from Joseph Benavides as well. You know, they, they did some some time at the UFC PI, but I, I was looking forward to, to hearing Maya and uh, and Anthony Rocco Martin. So, uh, courtesy of Matt Erickson. Uh, here are the uh, the media sessions. That not not long. Not a, not a ton of media up there in Minneapolis this week for the event. Uh, but uh, so these are not long long sessions. But uh, we'll start out. We'll start out with the uh, the old man, the 41 year old Damian Maya. You needed that win really badly earlier this year. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about about a fight? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. You know what's something different? You know the last fight because I never been in that kind of situation with some loss in a row. That was the first time, but I think with all these years in the UFC, you know, I've been fighting since I was a kid, and I'm in the UFC for almost 12 years, and I think it helped me a lot with this experience. I don't know if it would happen like maybe five, six years, six years ago, I would have the same uh, understanding and the same reaction, but actually I was pretty surprised that I was calm and, you know, I could handle well the situation. Is that the toughest stretch you've ever been through in terms of opponents consecutively? Like yes. That level of guy? Yes, yes. Yeah, I never, before that, I never lost more than two in a row. And that that's just a couple of times in my life that this happens. So, you know, it was pretty awkward for me because I'm a competitor, I like to win. And, you know, even if I lost for the three champions, you know, the two champions, the former champion, the champion, and the interim champion, Still, you know, it's it's always, you know, as an athlete, you always want to win. Tell me a little bit about, about Tony Martin and kind of what he brings to the table. I mean, you know how good you are on the ground. 
he's not bad down there either. Right? No, I mean, he's he's actually good on the ground, you know. He won many of his fights by submission. He's he has a momentum. He can for four loss, four wins, and you know, every time I step inside the octagon, I know it will be a tough test. I never had an easy test. Even the quick fights never were easy because you know all the athletes are in so high level when they fight in the UFC that you know there's no easy, no easy fighters. He said that he, he was a little bit surprised that he got the level of opponent that you are to be on this card. I mean, it seemed like he holds you in pretty high regard. Not surprising. No, you know, I think he deserves, you know, he comes from four wins. And let's see what Saturday will bring to us. What do you see this as being a fight about for you? Well, for him, it's the, the chance to climb higher up in the rankings than he's ever been and beat a, a higher profile opponent than he's ever had. What's it about for you? For me, it's all about keeping my what I did for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, keep going and keep uh, representing this martial art. And of course, I'm going to the end of my career, but I still training and loving the sport as much as I always did. And I still improving. I'm feeling physically, technically, and mentally more strong than ever. Do you think about that, like going to the end of your career? Like, do you, do you feel like you can see an end date up ahead, and you're thinking about how you end? Yeah, I, f I see. But right now, this week, I try to don't talk too much about that because you know I have a pretty tough opponent ahead on Saturday, so I gotta focus on him. I can probably ask you, ask you this question just about any time you play. How much do you think your experience advantage plays a part in this fight? I think what evolved in me. The last years were the mind mindset. And I think that comes with experience, not just during the fight, but during the training camp and during your life. You start to understand better how to deal with the pressure, and that is always there. You know how to deal with fighting the UFC. You know the biggest MMA organization in the world. So you know you're learning more and more, and you get more experience, and that's helping is some tools that I can bring into the fight. That was Damian Maya up there in Minneapolis, courtesy of Matt Erickson. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. By the way, I should say, if you like what you're hearing so far, make sure you do us a favor. Log into, uh, log into iTunes if you could. Leave us a rating. You know, we'd love to have five stars if we can. Uh, leave us a rating there, and if you can, leave us some feedback as well. I love the uh, the customer reviews. Uh, you could be like a Deep Sea Ninja who said, I enjoy going on the road and sharing a few frosty beverages with my friends, MMA Junkie John and Cold Coffee. Full of great information, interviews are not boring, and it's a well-paced show. Been listening for years. Well, thank you, Deep Sea Ninja, for listening for years. I appreciate that, and thank you for taking the time to uh, to get in there. I know, it's, I know we're asking, everybody's busy, we're all busy. I know it, and you got enough stuff going on in your life already. But when you take the time to do that, uh, it helps the algorithm, as they say at iTunes. helps us get a little bit more exposure. helps uh, it show up in search engines and, and all that good stuff. So uh, if you could take the time to do it, I certainly would appreciate it. All right, but yeah, Damian Maya, uh, listen, classy as always. Got some respect for Martin. Uh, you know, talked about the struggle that he had been through. Just always a class dude. Damian Maya, one of the nicest people. I mean, there's a lot of people in MMA that are that are among the nicest people ever. It's it's crazy how many cool, 
you know, good human beings are in the sport. Um, but Damian Maia is, is up there among them, and you will struggle to find somebody that has anything uh, bad to say about Damian Maia. But, listen, I, I think this is going to be a test, and it's a guy that has become one of my favorites, man. A guy that has been toiling away for a long time and, and was just kind of anonymous, right? I mean, I don't think a lot of people um, – Tony Martin, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a very <laughs> – it's a John Morgan-esque name. It's a very, it's a very common name, right? Uh, and in a, in a, you know, in a, in a d- deep and stacked division that he was in, uh, tough, you know, to, to get any recognition. And now he's, he's Anthony Rocco Martin. That one stands out a little bit more. And he's getting the results, man. He's putting the wins together, uh, and he's becoming a, a force in the division. And uh, I, I think he's somebody that could, you know, test Damian Maia here. And I'm, and I'm excited to see it, but. You know, if you go to the ground with Damian Maia, you risk getting tapped out. It's that simple. Damian Maia is that good at jiu-jitsu. So, um, yeah, I will say I'm actually uh, very, very excited for this fight. So uh, let's hear from uh, Mr. Rocco as well. I know you wanted on this show pretty badly, man. Yeah, this what's, is the card. What's it feel like now that it's here? Oh, it feels awesome, man. This is exactly what I wanted. I asked for it. Got a lot tougher opponent than... I really thought the UFC would give me. You know, I didn't think they'd give me someone ranked so high, a legend of the sport. But I'm really happy to bring him back home. Talk about him as an opponent, man. I mean, like looking up and down on paper, I don't think you fought anybody that good. Would you agree with that? No, or? yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely a world-class fighter. He's the gatekeeper to the title, man. He's he's fought for the the welterweight title. He fought the interim champ and the new champ. So he's definitely gatekeeper for that title, and I'm planning on going to get it. I mean, where does that put you with the, with the win? I mean, we know, like, yeah. your last 10 fights or so or whatever it's been, like, you've just been tearing it up. But does a win over a guy like that just catapult you right into that, like, second or third spot? No, I, mean, I think it definitely, you know, if I win in spectacular uh, fashion, right, then I think I really am in the top, you know, top 10 easily. And, uh, you know, I could be one fight away. I think I could be really being a contender fight after that. And I think I match up really well with a lot of the guys in the – Top ten, top five of the division. What do you make of that open workout crowd? I mean, all those cheers, all those fans, that kind of hype. Yeah, I mean, I get excited, man. I get, I get a little amped up for sure. Uh, it's just, it's fun to be back. You know, I, I fought, in, I started here in Minnesota, so it's, it's just to bring the UFC back here is huge. You know, it's just a opportunity for all the fans and everyone here in Minnesota to, to really get the show going. What do you think about Damian as a person? A lot of people talk about like how what a nice guy he is, and like it seems like everybody kind of loves him. And even the guys who have to beat him up don't really want to hurt him because everybody likes him. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely a nice guy. But once you sign on that dotted line, I want to hurt you because I promise you that there's nothing in this world that I want to do more than win that on Saturday night. So no matter who it is standing across me, I'm, I'm planning on going there and hurt you, do whatever I can to win the fight. Uh, you know, and afterwards, you know, we can shake hands. But I'm not here to fight, to, to be happy with fighting Damian Maya. I'm here to beat Damian Maya, and that's the only reason why I'm here. What's it like to prepare for a guy where everybody knows what he wants to do, but he's really good at it and has been able to do it to people who have prepared to stop it? Yeah, the, the blueprint's easy, right? The, the, the blueprint's out there. You just got to make sure you're sharp, man. You got to make sure you stick to that and do not make any mistakes, because one small mistake in those grappling exchanges is the end of the entire fight. So I'm going to be smart. And when I attack, I'm going to be deadly. You know, I was reading a story where it was talking about you know, your decision to, to 
to go with the Anthony Roger Martin, and he said that the, that was something that Kayla had suggested to you. And I heard before, like at one of the post-fight remarks that you made, that that was something Sid suggested to you. And I wonder, what's it like to be in a relationship with somebody who also is in this world? They know what you go through. Yeah. Uh, they, they've gone through the same things. What are the, the pros and cons? Of no, I mean, I think there's a lot of pros. Where you, I, I see how hard Kayla works. You know, Kayla's probably the hardest worker I've ever met. You know, she's that girl that. If she doesn't win in dominant fashion, she thinks she's lost the fight. And she's just one of those people where always striving to be better. You know, you're always you're always looking to improve, you're always looking to better. So that's really pushed me in my game and, and really to try to evolve as a martial artist in, in every aspect aspect of my life. What about the confidence? I mean that you both go through the same ups and downs and the same kind of heartbreaker no. sport. No, I mean like, she's still so new to the MMA world where I'm kinda of like trying to teach her a lot of the ropes and a lot of the ins and outs of the sport and trying to create, you know, make her more of a student of the game. So I've been uh, doing a lot of that. But honestly, you know, she, she opened my eyes to just this whole picture of your branding, right? Your branding, your your image that people need to see you as. And and really it's not, you know, the UFC especially, right? It's not so much as just winning. You know, you got you got to win and you got to you got to sell your brand. You got to sell yourself. So that's been a, a big part of it. Seems like it's going well. It's going good, man. But winning does help. Winning does help. What do you, uh, do you owe? Anything to, to kind of this current run that you're on? I mean, was it just the move to welterweight that, that kind of? No, I also, you know, I moved up to welterweight. I moved the American top team. Uh, I started with a new Muay Thai coach, Anderson Bronca, you know, and he's really helped my game a lot. Mike Brown's a huge help. Obviously, Brock's always in my corner. It's just my time, man. It's just like I, mentally and physically and everything is just really coming together at the right time. Anthony Rocco Martin, uh, a big moment for him. And uh, look, he's been on this upward trajectory. Um, you know, a, a little chip on his shoulder as, as, as he does, as he's kind of made his way uh, up the ranks. And, and this is a big moment for him, man. This, this, is, this is his moment to shine. I think this is what he's been working. This would be that signature win uh, where you got to start respecting him a little bit. So, um, yeah, anxious to see that. Listen, uh, not not a ton of uh, you know huge names on the card outside of you know the the, the the featured fights, but I think could could be some fun fights. Uh, of course, the the entire event I believe is on ESPN prelims and main card, so good exposure for the UFC there. Uh, nice to nice to check out on a Saturday. Uh, Vince Pichel versus Roosevelt Roberts could be a fun fight. Drew Dober versus Marco Polis Reyes, uh, two guys that like to throw down there. Paul Craig, uh, the the Scottish man that's a little hard to understand sometimes, and is uh, the third round submission expert. Uh, never gives up. The latest submission in in UFC history, but he's facing a very very tough. Fortis MMA product in Alonzo Minifield. So uh, some good fights in there to, for sure. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like I said, I'll, I'll be watching it via tape delay, uh, but but I will be watching it. Of course, we'll have full coverage, MMA Junkie. The rest of the crew will be working on Saturday night. Like I said, Matt Erickson is on site in Minneapolis, and then uh, Dave Doyle, Steve Morocco, Mike Bond, Nolan King uh, will all be helping out as well, uh, pitching in with the coverage. So we'll have full coverage of MMA Junkie like we always do. Uh, some other fights uh, this weekend. Titan FC 55, LFA, Cage Warriors. Uh, so some uh, big, big, big event for Cage Warriors. Simon Head will be covering that uh, night of champions. I think they've got, what, six title fights on there? So that's pretty crazy. That'll be on Fight Pass. Uh, and by the way, I should say, if you don't have time to watch everything, which I know you don't, uh, we started doing a feature, uh, which I, I like. Uh, it's called Fights Past. 
Cole Coffee doesn't like the the title, but I, I thought it was a clever play. You know, it's 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 fights on fight pass that have already happened and that you may have passed by. So fights past, you see, little little play on words there. <laughs> Cole Coffee doesn't love it, uh, but that's what we went with. Uh, just two editions uh, in the book so far, but um, check them out if you can. Find find them on MMA Junkie. Just basically like getting you highlights from everything that's on Fight Pass. They're nice enough to uh, they've licensed us the the footage to to do these little highlight videos. Um, because there's just so much content on Fight Pass, and you, and you can't necessarily check it all out. Um, the last weekend, the one from last week, uh, featured a, a knockout in glory that is just sick. Cedric Dumbe, just an incredibly sick knockout, man. Some good stuff. So it's got some grappling on there. You know, like we're we're, we're covering every, everything's on Fight Pass. Muay Thai is on there. Um, so we're boiling it down because you know. You don't have time to watch everything, but we're getting you the ones that you should watch. So uh, check out that feature if you haven't. If you have it's something new we just started doing. Um, it kind of highlights from around the world, let you see some uh, some fun mixed martial arts stuff. So uh, listen, uh, one last piece of audio here, uh, kind of a, a random one, but I wanted to share this. Uh, longtime listeners of the show will know of a man named Fiasco Jones, and it's a name that comes with. A little bit of controversy. Uh, his volume is w- one that rivals mine, uh, and he gets a little shrill sometimes. Uh, and so, some people, uh, some people love Fiasco Jones on on the podcast. He does have some great insight and a lot of experience. Uh, some people do not. He's a controversial figure in the MMA roadshow history, but he has his own uh, podcast now as well. And you say, well, what's that? It's called Far Off Topic, and it has absolutely nothing to do with mixed martial arts. It is, uh, and I'll read you their description on iTunes, it is an ever-evolving discussion of obscure or otherwise unconsidered ideas that lie on the untamed outskirts of public attention. That is far off topic with Fiasco Jones and Mr. Glasses. But I happen to be listening to it this week. Now, they talk about some stuff that I really don't uh, don't know much about or, or happen to be into that much, but I like podcasts in the background as a little noise while I'm working, you know. Uh, and, you know, i got to support a friend in Fiasco Jones. But uh, a UFC-related story did pop up, uh, and it is one that that, uh, that involves Fiasco Jones. And uh, it's not along the lines of the greatest story ever told. That, 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 I mean, that is epic once-in-a-lifetime type stuff. It is not that, but it is a pretty damn funny story that has to do with uh, his employment with the UFC, and I, I got a kick out of it. So since he is a, a good friend, I'll just uh, – I borrowed this little piece of audio from Far Off Topic. This is a listen to what happened recently to one Fiasco Jones. The last real update, and this is pretty funny uh, if you're not me. Um, so the UFC opened their brand new Apex studio. Um, it's just literally like across the street from the current office. It's this huge um, studio space where they they now shoot the Contender Series and potentially down the road they're going to shoot the new Ultimate Fighter there as well. Well, uh, this Monday, um, which is June 17th probably, um, was the grand opening and I was there to shoot uh, you know, follow Dana around as he introduces or shows off the, the, the studio to the local media. And now picture for yourself. So we're going down this long hall. It's, it's, it literally just started the tour. And it's this long hallway. And on the side of the wall are uh, the jerseys from every form past Ultimate Fighter show. And they're all lined up there. And it's just from it's a long ass wall, too. So it's, it looks pretty good. 
he references this. I'm standing in front of him walking backward. And so I turn, I pan to the wall, you know, and I get a shot there. And then I kind of pan back to him. Uh, and I'm just, you know, walking. I, I walk backwards probably, you could say professionally. Um, right. And I've and been doing it for decades. Yeah, yeah. So, like, as a videographer, cameraman, photographer, whatever you want to call yourself, you're often with your face in a lens, an eyepiece, and your peripheral vision is bad, and you're walking backwards all the time. Yes, Okay. All the time. And so you, you build up this kind of a sixth sense, a yep. spidey sense. Yep. And I have mostly never actually tripped or fallen oh, or really even God. hit anything. Um, well, that all ended that day. <laughs> because uh, unbeknownst to me, someone had placed a single stanchion, um, I guess pylon. It wasn't even extended. It was the, the actual like uh, – fabric it wasn't even clipped to anything it was just a single pylon what is that a stanchion you know like when you're like rope something off oh um, sure at sure, a, sure. Like, yeah, public yeah. events okay, or, stuff like okay. That, or at the airport yep. or wherever um so yeah it's just that little pylon and just sitting there and i walked straight into it backward oh, god not realizing it was there i, I you know I'm, I'm spinning around trying to catch my balance and roll my fucking ankle in front of Probably two dozen or more uh, people, including Dana White and the executive uh, producer of the UFC. That is um, so great. C- grinds to a fucking halt. Everyone's like, oh, God. Um, my shoe, I guess, f- jettisoned off. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, uh, Dana actually is the one that, like, went and grabbed it. He's like, here, man, here's your shoe. I'm like, oh, he's like, you're all right. I'm like, fine. As I like, limp away already, God. like, I, my, my, it's swelling up. I can't stand on it. I can't put any pressure on it. And yeah, that, and then so I had to call someone in and said, hey, uh, you need to finish this tour because I can't walk anymore. Oh my so God. I've been, I've been recovering from that now. Uh, just That's this fantastic. busted up ankle. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it was fun. It's oh, that's so good. Humbling. It was a humbling. It experience. is a humbling experience. <laughs> All right, that was Fiasco Jones. Uh, man, <laughs> I was surprised to hear that story. That was pretty funny. Uh, uh, there was, you know, there was. We did a media tour on Tuesday uh, of last week of that UFC Apex. So they did one on Monday for local media as well, uh, and that's the one that he was at. So uh, I, I didn't, I, I hadn't heard the story. So it was kind of funny just to hear it out of the blue. Uh, and here and telling that, so I appreciate him uh, letting me share that. But uh, our good friend Fiasco Jones. Uh, all right, listen. Uh, next week is UFC 239 International Fight Week. Um, it's a big card. You know, it's crazy because it, it's not like before where we had you know, man, guy. At one point there was three three fight cards in a row, which was ex- I mean, exa- I love MMA, and I could go watch three fight cards. I could watch a fight card every night. Uh, but when you when you talk about working it and the associated weigh-ins and the associated media days and all that and just loading them on top of each other, dude, those weeks were exhausting. So it is International Fight Week. It is a big week, but it's not as crazy as it used to be. But uh, I am excited. You know, like I said, we'll have uh, we'll have Simon Head in town. We'll have Abby Saban in town as well. So uh, I'm I'm sure we'll have some fun next week. Uh, but it is a load card, and it's it's so loaded that they took. Uh, the the main card and brought them in town early. We were earlier this week. We were in uh, we were in L.A. Uh, the entire main card was there except for Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold was not there. Um, I believe he had some prior commitments. Uh, but Jan Blahovich was there, his opponent, uh, and then Jan uh, basically stayed in town. He's he's setting up uh, and doing the rest of his camp uh, at in 
in Vegas at the PI. Uh, same thing for Amanda Nunes, uh, Tiago Mejeta Santos. They basically just stayed in town and, and set up their camp uh, over at the uh, over at the PI. So anyway, I bring all this up. So they brought everybody to uh, to LA, uh, and we got full coverage. All that's on MMA Junkie and uh, and and the YouTube channel as well. If you want to see the videos, but the one I had to share, Diego Sanchez. Anytime you can get Diego Sanchez talking. You, you got to sit back and enjoy the ride, man. It, Diego was in fine form as always, and uh, it was it was it was funny to see because this was the very end of the media session, and uh, as it's going, um, Chris Costello from the USCPR department is trying to get him to stop, but doesn't want to be rude and doesn't want to interrupt him. But everybody's waiting because they're all doing face-offs, uh, and so you know he, he was trying to find the right spot to jump in and and, uh, and stop so he could end the session. But uh, it is hard to stop Diego Sanchez. The man is something special. Uh, well, let's just hear. It. I mean, just, this is great because there's, there's hardly any questions. Now, there ended up being some news out of this. I'm sure you probably saw the headlines um, that Diego d- decided to part ways with Jackson Wink. And so that really became kind of the newsworthy part of this. Um, but I figured you just want to hear the whole thing because Diego is one of a kind, man. I, uh, I, I appreciate what he brings to the game. He is going to be sorely, sorely missed when he decides to hang it up. Uh, so here was the conversation uh, from Los Angeles earlier this week with Diego Sanchez. Or, I guess if we want to be more accurate, because he is emphasizing the proper way, Diego Sanchez. <laughs> well, Diego, how about uh, Diego Sanchez, UFC Hall of Famer, man? Give, give me an idea what uh, what that means to you the, coming into this, this fight. Um, you know, I just keep on doing what I do, doing my job, working for the company, fighting anybody they put in front of me. You know, keep believing in myself. I got, I, I will admit, I got lost there for a good, good six, seven years where, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I did what I thought you're supposed to do in life. I, you know, I thought that's what you do when you get into your 30s. You settle down, you marry a woman, you have a kid, and, you know, that's, that's life, you know, like, but for me, you know, I didn't marry the right woman, first of all, but um, it's just like this, you know, you got to be authentic, you got to be you, and um, I'm not against marriage, but I'm just like, people out there, make sure that that person, like, really loves you for 100% who you are, if you're a freaking weirdo, like, they better be, like, loving your weird shit that you do, like, if you're, like, like, not, like, you're not being like, oh, man, this guy's bipolar, he's crazy you know like no no, that person needs to be just as crazy as you and balance and equal each other out but um, but now I'm here I'm still here you know they couldn't they couldn't kick me off the shelf they couldn't get me off they couldn't get that that dusty ass book I just had to get that book all right there's some experience in that book flip it open all right halfway through the book okay yeah all right getting to the words you know I'm getting a little towards the end of the book all right, it's getting better. It's getting better. All right, this is a good story. This is kind of like that Cinderella Man movie, man. That Diego Sanchez, he's coming back. Oh, sh- he's, isn't he too old? Nah, he's doing.
done it. Isn't Randy did it at 45. Diego Sanchez could do it at 36, 37, whatever he is. <laughs> what chapter do you think we're on in the Diego book right now? Oh, that book, that book. It's It's got to be chapter probably 37. <laughs> 37. You're going to the Hall of Fame for a fight. Do you think, based on your individual stats, you're going to the Hall of Fame in the future, just with Diego Sanchez alone? Um, you know what? Um, I, it's, it, that's not the call for me to make, and, and, and nor would it be the time to make that decision because I'm still fighting, and I love what I do, what I'm doing, and um, I feel I have a lot more left in me. People ask me, when are you going to hang it up? I'm 37 years old right now, and people are asking, when, when, how many, the question that I get asked the most is, how many more you got left in you, Sanchez? How many more you got in you? Like, I know. Like, I know. I'm going to fight as long as I can. That's all I know. I, I love to fight. And as long as I can keep beating these 20-year-old men that they keep throwing in there with me, this will be the third in a row. This will be the third in a row. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm here to be, I'm here to be the greatest, the greatest of all time. And that's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm striving for, to always learn, adapt, and evolve. And that's what I've been doing for the longest time. And even three weeks before this I made a, I made a, I made a crucial decision. This is a Diego Sanchez moment. I made a crucial decision. It's three weeks before the fight. No more JW, Jackson Wink, one of the best teams in the world. Oh, I'm going in with one trainer. I'm going in with one trainer. And people are like, wow, what the hell, Diego? What are you thinking? Well, um, I'm not only thinking, I'm feeling. And, and th that's a big part of Diego Sanchez is I don't think too much. I don't think it's good to think too much. I think you gotta feel. You gotta feel this down here, this is your gut. And this is the universe right here that's inside of you. And me, me and my universe, and that universe, we won. We won, we very connected, and um, I'm flowing with the punches, and I'm, I'm going with the flow. Uh, all I know is that um, I wasn't learning, I wasn't growing as a mixed martial artist, that they were teaching me what the, the knowledge and the information as trainers, the job that they were doing, they just um, were basically going through the motions with Diego Sanchez, and... So was there any uh, anything in particular that led you to, to believe that, or was it just an overall feeling that's been kind of lurking? No. Well, you know, for the past three years, you know, Diego Sanchez really been doing it, the Bruce Lee type of style training, you know, going in the gym early, getting my thousands of reps in and, and, and training myself, you know, training myself in speed, training myself. You know, I'm, I'm, obviously everybody knows my grappling credentials, you know, getting some grappling classes and, you know, grappling, grappling rolls in, go get my rounds in with the young bucks and, and do my thing in the, in, in the gym. But... You know, it would come fight time and get, get a couple mitt sessions with Winkle John. Never really learning anything, just kind of just tuning up what I already had, you know. And with Greg Jackson, you know, it, it was, you know, maybe a, maybe one or two privates a camp, you know. But never really any true love. You know, the type of love that a trainer should have for his fighter is to go back and watch all of the old Diego fights. Let's let's get a piece of paper. Let's 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 see where's he getting hit? Where's he where's he getting hurt? What's he doing wrong? All right, we need to fix that. 
we need to fix that because that's a problem. This is causing him to lose. All right, we need to fix that, and we need to. Okay, where is he doing good stuff? All right, let's 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 put that down. All right, well, how can we make that even better? All right, let's make this even better. Let's let's, let's get let's 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 work on this. Let's work on this so we can get Diego Sanchez to win, the best that we can get Diego Sanchez to be. And so so that was what wasn't happening. All right, that wasn't happening. I wasn't I wasn't getting the I feel the love. And but but nothing but respect for Winkle John and Greg. I love those guys. Like I I, I am grateful and I, I express a, a huge amount of gratitude right now to to both my. Winklejohn to Greg Jackson's uh, Jackson's MMA every, everything all the way up all the way up all the way all the way all the training partners that came in that room that helped me become the man that I am right now I appreciate and it, it's just for this time in my career there was no focus on Diego Sanchez there was no real love on Diego Sanchez maybe it's because we got two belts here we got two belt fights John and Holly but you know what I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm Diego Sanchez. I am special. I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm finishing a 32-fight contract with UFC. 32 fights. Man, I'm all chips in. I got all the chips in on this fight. I'm, I'm going all, I'm all in. I'm, I'm going, I'm throwing everything, throwing my house on there and there, throwing the house in there, throw everything in there. I, I ain't coming to lose, I'm coming to win. And, and my team is not gonna put forth the effort, the time, the love, and the energy, I'm gonna make a change. And th that's exactly what happened is, is the universe brought me Josh Fabia right at the right time because I work with Josh 10 days in secret, in secret, the la 10 days before my last fight with Mickey Gow. We work 10 days in secret every night at my house. We work, we stay up till two in the morning working on movement, working on, on, on vision, working on mind. He's a mind coach. He's, he, he's, a he's a breathing coach. He's a strength and conditioning coach. He's a real true custom auto, man. He breaks it all down. He sends me video. We film every session. We watch every session. It's a a true perfectionist putting in that perfection to make me the perfect fighter and and so it's been real easy because I had a lot of tools in, I had a lot of tools in my toolbox already all I had to do was just analyze all those tools reorganize all those tools put them where they needed to be some of those tools needed to be sharpened some of those tools needed to be freaking scrapped throw that tool in the trash no more don't use that no more that that's not good for you, Diego. Why are you gonna stand? Why are you gonna stand? Why are you gonna stand in this space? Why are you gonna be here? No, no, that's not good for you, Diego. You got short arms, short legs. Why are you gonna be in that space? You gotta be here, like Tyson. You gotta be in. You know, you gotta be in on the legs and on the hips. And so, you know, it, it, it's it's real talk, man. And and I have I have found a new trainer, and he's a little Jedi. I'll tell you this, he is a college level wrestling and this man went to the went to the Green Beret. I mean, he, I mean, not the Green Beret. Um, the the Army Rangers. He did the Army Rangers, and um, he did contract work. And the guy is a real freaking Jedi. I would not be bullshitting. If you think I've, I I trained with all the greats, 
all right? I trained with a lot of greats. Don't forget that I went to San Diego and I, I, I lived in San Diego for a while. I trained with the Cali scene. You know, I rolled with the best of the best. I had Salo and Sanji and Jacare. I've, you know, you know I've, I've, I've rolled with the best of them. Um, Bob Anderson, Olympic wrestling coach. I've had all these Olympic wrestling coaches. I've had all these different coaches just just in, in, in the search for the knowledge. And um, this is this is the this guy's the real deal, man. And 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 I know because he could hurt me. And and if a man that weighs 130 pounds and that's five two, could really hurt me and probably hospitalize me in the hospital. That's the kind of guy I want to be training and learning from. One of a kind, man. One of a kind, man. Diego Sanchez. Uh, like I said, it was the visual, and it's it's up on MMA Junkie uh, and the YouTube channel if you want to see it. But the visual of you know Cos Chris Costello uh, wanting to stop this, but not wanting to be rude, and kind of like slowly inching in, slowly inching in, and finally, you know, when he when he gets a pause in the action, just kind of waving it off. Uh, it, it was something to see. So uh, excited for that. Uh, excited to uh, listen. I mean, that's that's a big big fight though. Michael Chiesa. Uh, looking forward to talking to him next week. I didn't get to talk to him. Dave Doyle did talk to him. Uh, I ran out of time. It was it was hard to get everybody um, at once. But uh, I actually saw Kiesa the other night at the Contender Series and said, John, you owe me a damn interview. So we'll definitely do um, an interview on Fight Week. Uh, all right, listen, uh, I will uh, I will pack things up here and, uh, and turn them over to Cold Coffee. Like I said, shout out to Cold Coffee for – Taking some time, even though he's uh, on vacation, to, to edit this all together and put it out uh, means uh, means the world. Thank you. That's how we've done 222 consecutive weeks. Never missed an episode. Come on. Get some, some respect for that, man. I take pride. That's a streak right there, man. That is a streak. <laughs> a streak of talking. Okay, it's not really that impressive, I guess. But come on. We've delivered every damn week, even when we got other things going on. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Cold Coffee. And, of course, I appreciate all you out there. Thanks for listening.